guys, you're listening to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast, joined by your usual hosts, uh, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, how are we doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, or we are joined this Independence yes. Day by Owen Duffy. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> very well, thank you. Thank you for thank you for coming in onto the show to join us. We're, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the project you've, you've been working on, but uh, just very quickly for our listeners... Uh, what is it that you do, Owen? <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I write about board games, card games, um, anything you can play around a table with your friends for places including The Guardian, Tabletop Gaming, uh, IGN, uh, Ars Technica. Um, so yeah, I, I have the opportunity to write about the hobby and the industry and uh, all the cool stuff that's happening in it. That is quite the CV, I have to say. The Guardian, yeah. uh, Tabletop, and uh, IGN. And so, how, how on earth did you get? How does one become a writer for The Guardian? <laughs> well, I was working there already. Um, I was doing some kind of behind the scenes journalism jobs there. Mm-hmm. And uh, our uh, tech editor at the time, Jemima Kish, had just decided that they were going to cover video games. Um, and I sent her an email saying, hey, there's some really cool stuff happening in, uh, in tabletop and board games. And she was really intrigued by it. She wasn't uh, a kind of tabletop gamer herself, but mm-hmm. we had a meeting. Uh, it was actually myself and Quinns from Shut Up and Sit Down. Um, just talked to her for a couple of hours and um, you know she f- was really intrigued she gave us a chance to do some stuff and it kind of kicked off from there excellent so you're currently a board games journalist but presumably you didn't sit up one day and go do you know what I'm going to write about board games no there's a bit must be a bit of a history there so how did you get involved in yeah well I, I kind of got started as a kid uh, somebody gave me a, a Warhammer metal goblin uh, when I was about nine or ten years old, which I put in my back pocket and forgot about until I sat on it later that day. That, I, and, <laughs> and by the by, the way, for those uh, for those younguns who don't remember metal miniatures, that would have been excruciatingly painful. Yeah, and I, I think they were lead back in the day, so I'm probably yep. lucky to be alive at this point. <laughs> um, so from there, I, I kind of got into the, the Warhammer thing, uh, and then I graduated onto RPGs when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, played a lot of Vampire the Masquerade because I hung out with the goth kids. Yeah, um, nice. <laughs> and then from there, um, I just discovered this whole board game, card game thing, um, and that, that's just the rabbit hole that I, I fell into. Really? And like with all of us, just keep falling down. Yeah, and down yeah. There, and down. there is no bottom to the hole. <laughs> uh, I'm getting a bit worried about this way you you've increasingly of late describing this as like an addiction. Fairly accurate. I mean, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. I think I think it's a fair uh, comparison. Uh, well, the pr- it's okay to admit it, Ben. I know, but the the pr- the problem is like it, it's not a great advert, is it? Yeah, but I mean, like you know, there are times when the first thing I do in the morning is just log onto my computer and check Board Game Geek. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, it's it's, it's a better, compulsion. It's better than waking up and having a whiskey. But, if you're that. gonna be addicted to things, guys, tabletop gaming, probably like on a scale of one to ten. It's probably about a, a five in how destructive it is to your life. That, that took a pretty dark turn. That, that's a, well, good job no one knows that I wake up drinking whiskey now. So, yeah, well, well, they do wait, now. oh, yeah. <laughs> next time on Josh's AA meeting. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so before before we went uh, all the way down there, so uh, what what have you been playing recently then? 
recently, uh, there's a couple of games I've been enjoying. I really liked Crystal Clans from mm. Plaid Hat Games. That's sort of a kind of spiritual successor to Summoner Wars, which is like a it's it's kind of like um, elements of a, a collectible card game. You've got mm-hmm. units that are kind of battling each other, but it also uh, comes with a board. So you've got territory that you need to seize and control. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, kind of goals that you need to achieve over the course of the game. Um, and I find it really interesting. A lot of my friends who play Magic and kind of similar games have really enjoyed mm-hmm. it as well. Um, and then also recently I've been playing some of the Exit series of Escape Room games by Inkis and Mark Brand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have played those at all. I haven't, no. I've seen them and of, of course I've uh, I've tried uh, one of the actual real life Escape Rooms. So I, I imagine the premise is somewhat similar. You've got a bit of a detec- bit of detective work to do to figure out a puzzle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, some of the puzzles in these little boxes are really pretty ingenious. I mean, I've, mm. I was playing it with my wife. It's actually an interesting story. We went through to Edinburgh uh, last week to play an escape room there, and one of the locks on the last puzzle broke. So we got through the, you know, we got through this room. It was a kind of abandoned asylum, mm-hmm. and the very last puzzle, we were sure we had it right. We could not get this lock open, mm-hmm. and eventually the guy came in and said, "Nah." <laughs> It's broken. <laughs> about, Im- yeah. Immersion destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, uh, he gave us a free game next time we uh, next time we book in. Oh, there but, we go. No, there but then go. we came back that evening. We played uh, one of these exit games, and uh, it was really pretty impressive how mm. it kind of captures that sense of exploration and discovery and the answer to one puzzle leading on to the next one. And yeah. is it like like a lot of the real life escape rooms? Is there a time pressure to this? There is. There's not a kind of hard time limit, but you get a score uh, at the end of the right, game okay. based on how long it's taking uh, you. And how, there's a kind of clue system built in as well, um, mm. so you can kind of take a clue at any point, but that will affect your score. Um, so I thought it was really that's pretty a, impressive. That's a really nice it, way of doing it as this well. This is the one I think it's got sort of legacy elements to, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh, there's yeah. bits in the box, uh, bits of the game that you'll kind of uh, tear up or write on or things I was like that. Say that that that's some next level sadism is like yeah. we're going to sell them a game and make them destroy it mm-hmm. I love it yeah. <laughs> I mean you can play it once uh, and then it's done but the thing is they're about 12 quid so I mean if you think about that in terms of an evening's entertainment that's cheaper than you know two people going to the cinema yep yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Very good point. And I think the point's been made about some of the big box legacy games as well is that you know you're definitely going to play that game twelve times. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, this is a game you will you will you will play at least twelve times rather yeah. than have sat on a shelf languishing. Well, you think about the the amount of board games that. I mean, board games that even I've bought where I've played them once or twice and then I've sold them on at a loss. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think we're all guilty of that. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, local charity shop has done pretty well at me, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice way of, uh, of unlo- offloading the old games. See, so. I, I've, I've been selling mine on thinking, like, right, I need to fund the next one. So, so at the moment, the stuff's been getting sold on because Age of Sigmar 2nd Edition's just been announced. Mm. It's like, I, I'm going to have no willpower when that comes out. And I'm going to have to buy all the stuff. So mm-hmm. that money has to come from somewhere. So yeah, I've been off the Warhammer train for uh, a little while now. <laughs> I've been off the Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> 15 years clean and sober. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so when the this new edition is coming out, I, I take it all the uh, the existing minis are still going to be usable. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's something they've been doing with yes. uh, with all the Age of Sigmar stuff that... Um, at least for a time, your uh, your sort of legacy models are still uh, are still viable. Um, We're waiting on a lot more detail about the second 
edition, which we're hoping they reveal some at UK Games they've been, Expo. They've been teasing some of the rules changes, yeah. and it's it's not going to be like a big 40k 8th edition style overhaul. It's going to yeah. be little tweaks and uh, quality of life improvements, so they're toning down magic a little bit. Um, and they're... I I don't I don't think I said this to you. They're they're doubling the range of unbinding. All right, because it used yeah, to be yeah that, that makes sense. It used to be so. to unbind spells, you had to be within eighteen inches of the caster, mm-hmm. and the range of all the spells in the game is eighteen inches. Right. So mm. you had to be in the firing line to try and dispel it. Mm. Whereas now you can dispel if you're within thirty inches of the caster. Yeah, again that makes sense. That sounds like a a good change. But yeah, hopefully we'll get some uh, more details about that at UK Games Expo, which, Owen, uh, are you popping down to Birmingham? Yeah, I sure am. I'm looking forward to it. Um, there's a, a, kind of a couple of things I'm interested to see. I'm going to be talking to Martin Wallace about uh, Wildlands, mm-hmm. which is his new miniatures game. Um, I've really enjoyed a couple of games from uh, from Martin over the past couple of years, so I'm, I'm kind of keen to see what he does with this uh, this take on, on kind of mini battle games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really interested, I think I'm right in saying that uh, Ignacy Chevichek from Portal Games is going to be showing off Detective there, which is his new uh, kind of mystery game that has a lot of uh, kind of online and electronic elements. That's cool. Yeah. It's similar sort of vein to Sherlock Holmes consulting Detective. I think so, yeah. Because um, this is the one I think they're advertising it with the tagline, you are the detective, right. aren't they? Yeah, mm. um, and yeah. Apparently, there's going to be elements that you have to go online to find information, and mm-hmm. um, it sounds really quite immersive. So yeah. I'm keen to see what he does with it. That's really cool. I, I love um, the, the the sort of the tabletop space and the digital space starting to to bleed into each other. Uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to is Wizama's um, tabletop uh, console. We'll talk more about this on uh, our podcast episode where we we preview. UK Games Expo, but uh, just the idea of, you know, trying to combine video games and, you know, the physical element of tabletop games. I I think it's going to happen more and more until I think very often the two will be indistinguishable from one another. I don't know about that. I think think there's certainly at least an element of the community that really relishes having the the analogue experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's always going to be a big part of the, the hobbies appeal. Oh no, I don't. I don't think it's going to be like the the two will combine to the point that neither one nor the other exists separately from one another. But I think you're going to see a lot more crossover, and there's going to be a lot more games where there'll be a bit of debate of is it a video game or is it a tabletop game? Yeah, and it's yeah, like, well, yeah, it's, it's both. And we're starting to see that with a lot of the well, Age of Sigmar champions. Yes, card game. Uh, very thin, very thin on details at the moment. I think we we have, we did see a video where you scan the cards in, mm. and mm. it's like um, along the lines of Toys to Life, although it's Cards to Life this time. Yeah. Uh, what it does also mean that unlike a lot of the other online companion apps for these card games, where essentially your online collection and your physical collection are different, every card you own you can scan and you can mm. play with online. And then you see like the the guys like hopping up out of the cards. Oh, that sounds going, really cool. Yeah. So it's like yeah. an AR. Yeah, AR. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But again, is it a video game? Is it a card game? It's both. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, so that that that's some of the things that you're looking forward to. At, yeah, uh, and also, I mean, uh, people fixate on the the actual games that are going to be there, but I think just as a, a sort of social event as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are folks that I get to see at Expo that I don't see the rest of the year. Folks that used to be in my game group and have moved away. 
Um, and it's great just kind of wandering the halls and just running into people and kind of seeing what they're enthusiastic about. It's the equivalent yeah. of a festival for the hobby, isn't I was, it? Yeah. I was just thinking exactly the same thing. It feels like a music festival, but for for nerds yeah. who like tabletop gaming. Yeah, because so. I mean, even like the amount of people that, you know, when we've been mentioning, oh, we're going, going to Expo, the amount of people that's been like, oh, I should meet up and mm. have a drink, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, a lot of people are just excited to meet like minded people, not even necessarily having to play games with them which is really cool i think that's what i'm looking forward to the most is just the whole buzz about the place as well uh we've been to conventions but this is our first time at uk games expo and it sounds massive (laughs) yeah i mean it's really grown over the years uh the kind of first time i went a couple of years ago it was still based at the the hilton down in birmingham Mm. and they've since moved on kind of next door to the the nec uh you know the massive big arena uh, or convention hall yeah um, and it's just, I mean, if you look at um, kind of some of the, the big conventions in, uh, in Germany or in the US, it's great to have a, a UK event that's at least kind of on the same sort of playing field as that. I mean, I've, n- I've never been to this event, but I've been to the venue. and it, The NEC is huge. It, it feels like you're walking through an airport. Yeah. yeah. It, it's huge. Yeah. So looking forward Strolling. to seeing that uh, full of uh, games and people enjoying yeah. them. But, we, I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about Expo, some of the stuff you're excited about, but on a day-to-day basis, what's the application of your role as a tabletop gaming journalist? As in, like, what does a, a, a gaming day look like for me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It all has to fit around uh, various things, including uh, my, uh, my day job and my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, usually I will play kind of two or three games in a session. Um, well, I guess the the kind of first step is a kind of triage. So I will look at uh, games that are on a weekly release sheet from distributors. Um, I'll pick out the ones that look interesting. Um, they'll tend to send them out to me. Um, I'll look at them. Sometimes I look at them kind of in you know I look at them when I've got the physical objects and I think no actually this isn't really right for my audiences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the ones that do make it to the table there are some that just get kind of played once and you know again just aren't really what I'm looking for or what mm-hmm. editors are looking for um, and then there are ones that merit some some more plays and then I'll usually take some notes while I'm uh, while I'm playing um, a big part of uh kind of my approach is to just actively talk to the people that I'm playing with Mm -hmm. because it can be really valuable you know everyone's got their own perspectives and their own Mm -hmm. expectations when they come to a game so if something's really working for me but not for the person across the table um, it's really good to kind of get their um, you know get their reasoning their thoughts behind that and just try and give an idea of even if a game isn't for me is there someone out there who it could be for and kind of dig into why that's the case, what works, what doesn't, um, kind of where the influences and the ideas are coming from and coming together? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting point, actually, because uh, gaming, and particularly tabletop gaming, unlike a lot, an awful lot of media, you can go to the cinema with a friend. You can love the film, your friend can hate the film, and your experiences are not going to be influenced an awful lot by each other. Mm. I've tried playing games that I love with someone who clearly is not into it at all and that changes my experience of it as well yeah absolutely and i think that's really where um games have this kind of social dynamic Mm. that other forms of entertainment really don't i mean even if you think about um you know sitting watching something on netflix with your uh you know with your family with your Mm -hmm. your partner or whatever um 
you might decide to to switch it off because one of you is not enjoying it, but it doesn't impact your interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, completely see what you're what you're getting at there. So you you were saying just there about deciding which games to to discuss in in your your articles, your reviews, whatever, and and which you maybe take a pass on. How do you go about deciding what works for your audience? Yeah. Um, different outlets that I write for have different audiences. So the Guardian tends to be a little more kind of family casual oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've had some good responses in the comment threads to some slightly more complex stuff. Um, somewhere like tabletop gaming, obviously the the readership there is very informed, very knowledgeable. You don't need to um, kind of explain quite so much. You know, you can mm-hmm. uh, assume that people have a, a level of knowledge of what deck building means or what worker placement means. Sure. Um, Ars Technica um, is somewhere where, again, you've got a really intelligent audience, but they've got uh, a kind of editorial slant towards more kind of sci-fi or um, kind of tech-themed stuff, sure. just because that's their, you know, that's yeah. their wheelhouse. more thematic. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, stuff like um, the, uh, what do you call it, uh, New Angeles, uh, I wrote up for them. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the kind of thing that interests their audience. That being said, I mean, they've got um, a healthy respect for a lot of Euro game designers as well. Sure. Um, and there's a really great editorial team there um, who are just kind of really uh, big time game geeks themselves. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, good stuff. I, I mean, and, and while you've been going through the process of, right, I'm, I'm going to review this game for this publication, etc. Has there been one that's ever really took you by surprise? You picked it up, you think... I don't know about this one. And then you've tried it and it's turned your expectation around. Yeah, um I mean not so much uh not so much in terms of the quality of the game, but um uh, I was kinda surprised to get uh, an RPG called Monster Hearts mm-hmm. by Avery Alder into the Guardian and it actually ended up running on uh under their book section rather than the uh, the usual kind of games column. Oh right, okay. Um, yeah. But uh just this really clever set of ideas for storytelling and representing characters mm. um, it was great being able to put that across to an audience that might not otherwise have encountered it you know mm-hmm. yeah that's, oh, really, that's really cool, cool yeah. speaking of books yeah we'll oh, smooth, on smooth segue smooth yeah. segue yeah. there we go <laughs> oh, that. yeah. that's a solid that's a solid 8 out of 10 8 only 8 okay <laughs> you're hard eight, to impress are you 8 hey 8 would be a first class degree Okay, I'll take it. There we are. Anyway, (laughs) you're uh, working on a book of your own. I am, yeah. Um, I'm working on the board game book, uh, which I hope will be the first uh, instalment of an annual series. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm working on it with some great co-authors. There's Matt Thrower, who you might know from places like Shut Up and Sit Down, from uh, IGN and and, uh, his own blog, There Will Be Games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm working with Terry Latorco from Geek and Sundry and uh, with Richard Jansen Parks, who is a really great RPG writer. Mm -hmm. He also writes uh, his own kind of RPG adventures and publishes them under his own company. Um, so what we're working on is essentially like a kind of annual for the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think of it as a cross between kind of like the the good beer guide and the Doctor Who annual. But I don't say that <laughs> to people because it makes me sound a bit a million years old. <laughs> so that sounds fun. Yeah, I wonder see, see that Venn diagram of people who read the good beer guide and people who read That's the Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Album. yeah. Um, but in terms of what's going into it, we're going to have a kind of critical look at what mm. we reckon are the best games of the year in different categories. Um, we're going to have 
round about 100 games that we feature. We're going to have a chapter dedicated to uh, kind of gateway games for newer players. Mm-hmm. That's um, good. Yeah. We're looking to interview the designers of every game that we feature uh, from the course of the year. We've already got some great uh, designers lined up. And then finally, we're doing some really kind of extensive studio photography of all the games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a cross between you've got this kind of informative uh content but it's also going to be a really nice kind of hardback coffee table book if that's what people are looking for so you mentioned a number of writers there was yeah. was there a bit of debate as to what was getting featured um not within the team so much and the thing that you know i should stress is that we're still kind of working on what the the final lineup of games is going to be yeah. okay. Um, okay this is going to be running the kind of process to make this book is going to run until october uh, the kind of window is from kind of Essenspiel last year to Essenspiel this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and because there's going to be games coming out right over the course of the year, we don't want to close it off and say, right, this is it. You know, anything after this point, we're not going to consider. Yeah. That seems a bit arbitrary and unfair and <laughs> just generally a bit crap. Um, so we're going to be working right up to the deadline. Uh, you know, we've all got games that we've really enjoyed so far this year, but there's definitely going to be more stuff going in there. Um, mm-hmm. And the process of interviewing some of these designers is just fascinating. It's some of the, you know, some of my favorite stuff to do, is just kind of discussing how these games came to be, what the influences behind them are, mm-hmm. um, and that can just be the that kind of behind the scenes look. It's almost like um, it's almost like if you imagine watching your favorite movie with the director's commentary. I yeah, that. yeah. 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 Um, Except the director sat with you, yeah, <laughs> and, and like yeah. actually talking you I, through. I it. have watched. Um, the Lord of the Rings, with the the director's cut mm-hmm. and all the behind the scenes stuff, it took a long time. I can that, imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I love me a, a bonus feature. Yeah. So that's right <laughs> up my street. It's excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so when, uh, when are we expecting this to go to print then? Right. Well. There's a couple of stages. We're going to Kickstarter first. That's going to be next month. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope all your listeners will get enthusiastic and back yes. it and tell all of their friends. We shall uh, We shall remind them all. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then we're looking at a cutoff for um, kind of the, the writing, the interviewing, the photography. Our deadline is uh, towards the end of October. Mm-hmm. And then, if at all possible, we want it to be out for Christmas because we would love to get it into oh. retail. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're putting a, a delivery date on the Kickstarter of February to give us a little bit of leeway, um, mm-hmm. just because you never know what's going to pop up. Sure. But we're going to be working flat out to try and get it out in time for December 25th. So if you have a gamer in your life that you do not know what to buy for... There we go. Get on the Sorted. Kickstarter. Get organised. You don't need to wait till December to do your Christmas shopping. Yeah. You know those <laughs> smug people that, like, at the last minute, you're running around trying desperately to get, like, a, a gift for your Auntie Mabel? Yeah. And they say, oh, are you still shopping? I finished all mine in July. Yeah. Now you can be one. Yeah, person. you can be one of them. Person, yeah. yeah. And every member of your family will get a copy of the board game book. That's it. There we go. Yeah. Go into Kickstarter <laughs> and back for 10 of them. There we are. Christmas is sorted. Uh, it's funny actually because when you were describing like the premise of the book, the the first thought that went into my mind was, oh, it's kind of it, it, like just from a big kid point of view, I'll be like getting the Beano annual at yeah. Christmas. So I'd love to have that feeling of <laughs> opening the or, the, or the board an, game an Urwelly book if you're up in Scotland. I, I don't know what that is. Get out, God. <laughs> You disgust me. I think we I'm need joking, take, guys. I, I, I know. We need to take a break and actually educate yeah. him at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I know. <laughs> he sits on a bucket. It's funny. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's from Dundee, which yeah. is hilarious. And his grandpa as well does something old and dothery and Yeah. Yeah. I'll laugh a minute. There we go. But um it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I actually made the comparison to things like uh, kind of comic book annuals and T V mm. show annuals to uh, some folks that I was talking to uh, in the States. And it turns out they've got no equivalent of that over there. What, like an annual? No, they've got I like, find no... that really sad. Yeah, that's like, what? what is Christmas if you don't have a couple of annuals? I suppose yeah. the closest thing they'd have is like the dirty calendars. Yeah, that's not the same. Uh, the Pirelli calendars. Yeah. I'd, I'd just like to point out that that is not what we're doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe you should. Game, stretch goal. Game, game, stretch, stretch goal. goal. Game has gone wild. <laughs> I I think that would violate some terms and conditions. To be honest, with you. Would, oh. would you would you pose for that, Josh? Tasteful black well, and white. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it, it, <laughs> the right photographer. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. oh. um, it's it's definitely going to be family friendly. Yes, uh, that is not a thing, by the way. Don't go expecting gamers gone wild calendars. Not from Owen, anyway. Maybe we'll no. look at that. <laughs> okay. I was, not... I was, I was thinking, do, do I say to listeners, um, if you're wanting naked photos of me, it's not going to happen. Just never. No. What about like a calendar girl's type effort with like tactically placed board games, you know? Like a Jenga tower. <laughs> 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 I don't know, like. Uh, would you, would no. you would you need a full Jenga tower? <laughs> How dare you, <laughs> Jenga brick? <laughs> I was not expecting to walk into this conversation. No, this this, uh, this, 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 yeah. this this went in a whole new different direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, so uh, hopefully then we uh, we can all be expecting uh, nice hardback copies of uh, of your book. For the uh, for our Christmas presents, are you able to tell us any of the games that are being featured at this stage? Yeah, I mean we've written some of them up, and we're going to be doing a PDF preview uh, to okay. to go mm-hmm. with the uh, the Kickstarter campaign. So Crystal Clans is in there because I played it recently and loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I've done now. Uh, what else? Uh, you can edit this long. Yeah, don't worry about, about it. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're going to leave it. Ed. You're yeah. going <laughs> to. This is because I beat you guys at Chaos and Overwatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is how we get revenge. Uh, I've only spent the last like two months writing this stuff nonstop. My brain is is frazzled. Um, so Crystal Clans is going to be in there. Uh, Fog, Fog of Love. Yeah, Fog of Love definitely. Uh, just one of my favourite games that I've played recently. Um, I, we also have already done a, an interview with Jacob Jaskov, yeah. who's the uh, the designer there, and he's just a, a really kind of fascinating, interesting guy to talk to. Mm. Um, uh, we've got uh, Nikki Valens, her game uh, Legacy of Dragonholt. Again, that's a, a really kind of interesting story-driven game. It's a kind of fantasy adventure mystery uh, kind of choose-your-own-adventure style game. Mm-hmm. But it almost feels like playing D&D with mm. the book as the GM. It's like an RPG in a box. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it, it feels. It was, it was like one that. I wanted to try but never got a chance to. Mm. Um, inevitable with the amount of games being released now. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's crazy actually just looking at a release schedule for... Like, I, I even, I dare say, comparing uh, this 
first year to five years, ten years ago, the the amount of games that are coming out is just phenomenal. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, one guy from uh, from Asmodee recently uh, estimated about three thousand releases over the course of the year, I which is that, just yeah. incredible. I mean, you've got to think there's only so long that that kind of uh, kind of pace of releases can be sustained. Mm-hmm. Do you think we do you think we're getting to a plateau? Um, I think there's going to be no shortage of people coming forward with new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there's anything that's going to kill the board game boom, it will be too many people coming forward with uh, kind of lackluster or mediocre ideas. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at what happened to, to video games in the 80s, yep. there was a point where because of the amount of just low quality content that was just being shoveled out, um, it, it threatened, literally threatened to kill the video game industry, well, this, which is now the biggest entertainment industry in the world. Well, this this is this is why Nintendo thrived because they were one of the few. They were, correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, I think they were the first company to have a proper like seal of approval yeah. on all of their cartridges. License like system. we have, we have tested this. This is not ET the game. You're not going <laughs> to fall in a pit at level one and like never finish it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean the the. the good thing about tabletop at the minute is to the best of my knowledge there is no one deliberately making bad games you know there's nobody making um kind of generic kart <laughs> racer 44 um and just trying to just get it out the door and sell it to unsuspecting parents who don't know any better mm-hmm. um the the whole industry is driven by such creativity and enthusiasm and passion um so i i certainly hope uh, it's going to be resilient to um, kind of any any kind of dilution. I think the other thing as well uh, that's going to help with that is the community is very much involved, uh, and when you have a strong voice in the community, when companies or designers that are doing that sort of thing come to light, it's going to get shut down pretty quickly. Yeah. I think we will certainly think, shout think, and scream about anything yeah. that's utterly terrible. I, th- I think I think well, what. One of the the first sort of um, bumps in the road for the industry has been the whole Kickstarter debacle. Mm. But the good thing is people are talking about it. Mm. And I suppose the the thing that you had back in the 80s, you didn't have the the worldwide forum that is the internet. And for all people do like to complain about it, the great thing about it is that people are more informed than they ever were. And that if utter dross that's packaged in such a way where an unsuspecting parent might be taken in by it does appear you're going to hear about it pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, I mean to be fair about Kickstarter as well the actual ratio of projects that don't complete or that uh, you know there's some sort of screwy behavior on is really pretty low I mean mm-hmm. if you think about how open that platform is mm-hmm. anyone can go and start a project there um, you know you can debate the merits of individual games but there's very few uh, kind of cases where people have been kind of conned or misled egregiously no, that's true, and I think I think um, I think that it, it just human nature, me, like sort of distorts the the ones that do yeah. uh, come. I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of the rope. space. Space goat was the 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 recent um, one that a lot of people were talking mm. about, and you know where there was some really shady stuff going on. But I I, I think you're right that those cases are few and far between, and the good thing is that when they do appear, they're talked about immediately mm-hmm. um but I th- one of the, i was talking to mark recently actually and he says that he's noticed this trend towards people um having a game up on kickstarter 
and then if it doesn't perform as well as they'd hoped within the first week they actually cancel it and that, yeah. that's been happening with increased frequency so I, don't, I, su- I, I, I suppose that's better than people losing their money though right if you take the game down before the project completes then it doesn't fund and you don't they don't get the money so people don't lose out mm-hmm. it's much worse if you get to Oh, I mean, the, the big one that I was thinking of was the, what was it, uh, Battletech, Robotech? Robotech. Yeah. Robotech yeah. RPG, which just sounded like a complete, me- like, a, a, a sorry story for everyone involved, mm. like backers, the creators. Well, we were saying, I think it got so bad, actually, that one of the um, the lead creatives on it, um, I, I think, tried to kill himself yeah. because the the backlash from the whole thing and the stress and the pressure was so immense mm. I mean it's you, you don't wish that on anyone No, but the, the good thing is as you say and as we've already said those instances are few and far between mm-hmm. it's for all tabletop games have been around for a very long time the industry as we know it I think is still very much in its infancy Yeah, like you say it's uh, that's a great comparison but the 80s like we're pretty much in the 80s for tabletop gaming just now yeah it's definitely at a, a, a sort of stage where it certainly has a lot of potential um, big as it seems just now I think there there is a bigger audience for these mm. games to reach I mean that's part of what I'm hoping to do with the book um, mm-hmm. I would love for people to because I mean the the kind of example that I give to people is I was in Waterstones the the bookshop in Glasgow um, and they have a bigger board game section in there than some game stores that I've visited. It's true. Mm, Um, You know, there are people who are getting their first exposure to the hobby um, who are discovering these games and I would love to have uh, a kind of guide sitting right next to it on the shelf that can just kind of guide people uh, towards the good stuff, the Mm -hmm. best that the hobby has to offer and hopefully keep them in it and kind of deepen their involvement with it and just kind of allow them to really fall in love with these games the same way that, you know, we all have, yeah. 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 Suppose, suppose to that end as well. That's where the gateway um, game chapter is so vital, and yeah, I'm actually yeah. really pleased to hear that that's been included. Yeah. Well, I think in games media there can be a tendency to focus on people who are already quite heavily invested in in the hobby, um, which is great because you can have these in depth discussions uh, with people who are really kind of passionate and involved in, uh, you know, in gaming, but. At the same time, I think it's important not to neglect the fact that there are a lot of people out there who don't know as much as someone who's been playing these games for 5, 10, 15 years, but have that enthusiasm and have that you know that real attraction to the stories that these games can tell, the social interaction they can foster, and just the, the sheer multitude of different feelings that you can get when you're playing these games, you know, the, uh, the kind of brain-burning Euros or the, the frantic dice-chucking family games or... Mm. The, the really strategic uh, kind of CCGs or whatever it may be. It's just great to have an opportunity to just bring people into this world and sort of um, just try and foster the same love of it that, that we've all developed. Exactly, yeah. If that doesn't sell the book, I don't know what will. Well, we, we, we hope it's a, a big success on Kickstarter. Do you, do you have a set date then? Yeah, it's going to launch on the 5th of June. 5th and of June. Uh, I should probably also mention the, the website and all the socials. So we are at boardgame-book.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you search those platforms for the board game book, we should come up. Excellent, excellent. And we'll... Uh, we- 
don't worry, we'll, we will be uh, banging on about it when the uh, Kickstarter launches. I'm very looking, very much looking forward to it. Fantastic. Thank uh, you for that, guys. Look, I think uh, on that note, I think that's all we've got uh, about time for. So, Owen, thank you once again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And, uh, guys, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks. Bye.